to Have You Not Seen That. My name is Crossman. I'm Charles. I'm Wilson. Uh, this is a podcast where we admit to films that we haven't seen. Uh, I think it's easy to sort of like gloss over a uh, film in a conversation when someone says like, hey, have you seen this movie? You know, you always want to appear cultured or smart. I do. And admit to things we haven't seen. Wilson, you chose a Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, mm-hmm. which is like a little indie horror movie that got some recognition a few years ago yes want to tell us about it yes yeah, so this is our this is my selection for our first week of horror october yeah in commemoration of of halloween um have this movie was pitched as a horror movie i'm not totally convinced that it mm-hmm. qualifies mm-hmm. under that uh under that um maybe in the, in the classic definition of it yeah yeah in the sense that it like depicts a a monster a monster yeah. in a yeah in a scary-ish setting anyway but um in any event the the tagline that is that this is the first iranian um vampire western which <laughs> it feels closer to accurate um the premise it, this movie takes place in a fictional town called bad city um the we're introduced to uh just seems like a local hipster named arash who just kind of does yard work and odd jobs around this town his dad is a heroin addict um on the hook front with the the only heroin dealer in town, I guess, um, named uh, Saeed. Um, it the tone of this movie kind of makes it feel some a little bit like a western, more like a noir kind of movie. It's shot in this high contrast black and white, um, and kind of is difficult to place in time in terms of when it when it ta- when it takes place, um, such that our leads. 57 Thunderbird, or whatever that vehicle is, becomes very desirable. He eventually loses it to the drug dealer that has his dad on the hook. Um, he goes to try to collect the the car back from the drug dealer, only to, to find the drug dealer dead. Um, we saw prior to that that the drug dealer was um, killed by a local vampire. It's <laughs> a, a friendly neighborhood vampire. <laughs> friendly neighborhood vampire um, who uh, is played by a young girl. She looks like she's probably... 15, 16 years old, um, that preys upon men who have wronged women and others in this town. Um, the now dead drug dealer was also a pimp and had abused this prostitute, in the Asian prostitute that is also probably the only prostitute in town. Um, eventually, Arash and the vampire girl, who's never named, um, she's credited as the girl mm-hmm. um, in the in, at the end of the movie, um, meet and spark a, something of a romance, and the, the drama unfolds from there. Um, this is, I mean, there's a, certainly a plot to this movie, and like you can you can track the beats of what's going on here. It feels like a movie that's much more about mood, much more about tone. Like this, there's a, it's not a somberness, but a starkness. Like the, there's a lot of empty streets. There's a lot of still shots. Um, there's you know, a lack of dialogue just in general in this movie. Um, not necessarily in a bad way, but just a, that's a quality of the film. Um, it's not precisely what I expected because, again, I picked it as a horror movie and I don't think it really does that very much. Um, there's one very slight gory sequence where she bites off the pimp's finger at the beginning of the movie and that's basically all we get in terms of slasher type content. Um, and they never actually name her as a vampire, although she very clearly is meant to be that. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I did like it. I, I enjoyed watching it. It shares a lot of DNA with Let the Right One In um, and other similar movies in that space. Um, what did you guys think? I was... Uh, girl walks on one night. I I felt kind of bored by it. Yeah. I'll admit. I, I liked the look of the movie overall, but a lot of the scenes, it felt like they were just really slow and really inconsequential. And I was just kind of waiting for them to end. There were a few scenes that I liked a lot, like 
you know, any of the scenes they had Arash and the girl together, I thought were great. They had a really mm -hmm. good chemistry together. But a lot of the rest of the movie just felt kind of plotting, and I wasn't sure why I was watching what was happening. Yeah, but it, I, I hear that. And I, I couldn't, like, extract anything greater from it, really. Yeah, this is resistant to messaging. Yeah. Right, right? Like, I feel like this movie, like, on a very obvious level, it's like uh, this girl is going out and uh, killing men who have victimized women at some point. Except when she doesn't, because there's at one point where she doesn't. But she just, just like preys on a vulnerable homeless dude, right? So and we it's like, and we keep returning to these this like dry river that's full of bodies that like it's clearly intended to be like the bodies of her victims, I think. And there's a lot of bodies in there, um, and the movie doesn't really hit on that, so it seems a little almost intentionally resistant to that kind of feminist messaging. Um, what do you think of this one, Crossman? I I liked it. Yeah, I, a I lot. Mean, I, yeah. A lot. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's well, it's beautiful. Yes. Um, just because the way they shoot, they're kind of cheating because they're using like high contrast black and white. Mm -hmm. Um, but but it shot at night, which is hard, and it shot beautifully at night, which is also hard. Um, yeah, and I found like the relationship between our two main characters kind of charming, and yeah, I, I think there's a lot to to like here. Yeah, no, I agree. I did like it. Like, yeah. I think that it, it's. It's not what I expected. Um, again, not not a horror movie and again, resistant to messaging, but it strikes that mood just right. Like it, it does feel like it kind of invents a genre, and that is cool, right? Like it's cool to see something novel. What what genre? Well, are you it's referring to? well, because it it, it it kind of mixes a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like the the noir influence I think is clear. Heavy shadows, high contrast, black and white, that whole thing. There's a vampire in it, <laughs> so we have like these horror elements. It feels like this kind of dusty, sleepy frontier town almost. So you have what what comes across as like a Western element, mm -hmm. but then it's also this cross cross culture story where it's taking place in this uh, semi abandoned Iranian town that is also very clearly influenced by American and European culture, mm -hmm. and like all of this coming together, it feels like a really unique spot. Like the, the um, it feels like something that almost only the people who made this movie could have made, and that's cool, right? Like it's mm -hmm. cool that that can exist and that it's it, and that it's out there. Mm -hmm. um, so I like that a lot about it. I think that alone kind of makes it worthwhile um, for me, anyway. Yeah, I think um, what I liked about it was that our vampire character is cool. Yes. Like, <laughs> like she's pretty cool. She like skates. She has good taste in music. Mm -hmm. Um, she sometimes punishes people that are bad, but she yeah. also like is not resistant to doing bad things herself. Mm -hmm. And I think these are all like emblematic of like there's like a coolness to, to this character. Yes. Where you're like, you know that she's like a danger to our main character and he's like kind of oblivious of that and that kind of like that tension of like the dangers right it, well and there, there's a like, attractive and it's the this tension that arises from the audience having more knowledge than the character which is a very mm -hmm. natural spot for yeah. these kind of thrillers or whatever you, you want to call it to be and it, it still works it's worked for you know decades and it still works yeah and he's as like a vehicle for the audience perspective he's nice because he's like very innocent mm -hmm. and he yeah. seems to be like he wants to do the right thing but he also is like just trying to get by so like he does like petty crime 
as well. Right. He steals um, some earrings from a rich lady. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's like trying to take care of his father, but he's also like fed up with his like father's addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so like he's a very he's a good like sympathetic main character, and I think he's shown to be not an asshole, which yeah. is good. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> yeah. there's a charisma to the performance and a charisma to him. I think. Yeah. Right. Like mm-hmm. where like some people just have a magnetism, and I think that this guy has that. Yeah. And it does generally seem like he's trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he for the and for the most part he does yeah. right like he, he but like he's still human he has some moments of weakness like when he kicks his father out like you right know, you can kind of see where he's coming from with that yeah and it it makes him it, it makes his you know decision at the end of the movie to kind of run away with this girl and he kind of figures out that she might have been in on his father's death um, make more sense is mm-hmm. that we we've seen him bend a little bit here we've seen him break some rules there um, and so when he does say like you know let's blow this two horse down it it makes sense I, I did find it interesting that his entire aesthetic was clearly very influenced by like the classic american aesthetic yes. he's always wearing the like blue jeans and white shirt and like the leather jacket um, it looks like james dean yeah exactly the james <laughs> dean look yeah. uh, and he buys like the classic 50s american car to kind of fit with that sort of look mm-hmm. so i guess he aspires to be you know, like what he sees in the movies. Right. Well, and then you have the girl, the our vampire, who looks like Winona Ryder, essentially. Yeah. And like is listening to all like this, you know, new neo new wave type of eighties music. And some of it's contemporary. I, I was like, because the music is good. I was uh, uh, using my phone to figure out what yeah, songs. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> and there's, some of the songs are you know within ten years. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is only a five year old movie. So yeah, like I, 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 like we're skipping ahead a little bit here. But my favorite sequence in the movie outright was when they go back to her place and she puts on that um, how what the hell is the song called? But there's the sequence where she, she like puts on some new wave song. Yeah, and. They just kind of like listen to it. Like she stands stands there listening to the music, and she, he like very slowly approaches her, and they turn and face each other, and the song is playing the entire time, and the camera's just stock still. Yeah. For that, and it it was it, it worked so well. It's like such a simple moment, and it just worked really well for me there. I think it was my favorite. Yeah. My favorite time of the movie. Yeah, I like I like that a little. Right. It was like the follow up to that party that they had, and. Yeah, it was interesting because in a way they're like both vulnerable to each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, Arash more so, obviously, <laughs> but in a way they've kind of both exposed themselves to each other. Um, but they get to like share the moment together and like you know, I guess kind of trust each other. Yeah, no, I I, I agree, and and seeing that grow works really well, and seeing it grow in such a minimal way. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like the the starkness and the simplicity of this movie. Um, and and you you see it in just the way it's shot. Like there's nobody on the street. Right, yeah. like when she was walking home alone, it's alone, and like the usually the only other person there is like whoever her victim ends up being at some point, or whoever she's you know spooking in a given moment, mm-hmm. um, and and that I think again adds to so much of the mood and the tone of this movie, which is really what it's about. I think crafting that. Um, I, this was uh, written and directed. It's the first time director um, Anna Lily Amanpour is her name. And so I looked up a little bit about what she had to say about this movie because it's, again, so resistant to its messaging. And people would approach her about, like, oh, is this a feminist text? Are you saying something? Like, they have, you have all those shots of oil. Is this something about, like, the vampire sucking blood and, you know, corporations are sucking oil out of the ground, stuff like that. And she, too, is very, very resistant to, to putting ism labels on this. Like, yeah. it, like, she seems to have constructed the movie in such a way that it is not about that. 
Um, and I think that I certainly have a tendency to try to slap movies into those categories. Mm -hmm. um, and that so watching a movie that is really intentionally not that uh, well, it was interesting and a little challenging, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, um, you think like the movie kind of sets you up to like have this like moral message mm -hmm. where <clears throat> the drug dealer, she like kills him and he's like obviously a predator and like, right. a bad person. Um, and you're like, oh, this is like a good vampire. <laughs> right. Uh, sort of like in the vein of like Dexter. Mm -hmm. And then it, you, you that that scene is then contrasted with the scene in her bedroom, mm -hmm. which is like the opposite, where they like come together. Mm -hmm. um, but then later in the film, you see her just like randomly kill a homeless person, and you're like, yeah. "Oh wait, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she still needs to feed on the living, yeah. right?" And and yeah. then like you still have these shots throughout of this like you know, dry river of bodies. Yeah. And, and it's, like, so it's like, that's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No wonder there's nobody in this town. <laughs> right. And so it's, it's interesting because it kind of like pulls the rug on you. So like, is she good? Is she not? Right. Yeah. And, and I think it helps build like the, like this movie feels like displaced from reality. Not just in the sense that yeah. like, there's a vampire walking around, but just like the way people are interacting is just like a little strange and a little bit off. Like that there's, evidently no police presence right like there's this this pile of bodies growing in the middle of town or outside of town or whatever and like nobody talks about it and or like seems particularly concerned about it is if nothing else striking right and like the the absence of things i think calls attention to that absence right it's kind of surreal it's kind of a dreamlike quality to yes them. yeah and I, I i liked that about it and mm. i think it really kind of pairs down this movie to just kind of discreetly being about the handful of people that have survived this long in, in this town. Um, and just that the, the town is called Bad City, right? Like, it yeah. seems to be very purposefully saying, like, yeah, this isn't, a, this isn't a real place. Like, this is supposed to be a little bit outside of, of lived experience and reality. Um, I like its depiction of Iran. Um, I think it's... you. The I mean, it's an antagonistic country to the U.S. or the U.S. Yes. is antagonistic to Iran, at least. Um, and I think it's often when Middle Eastern or like any sort of like orientalized culture is depicted in American film, they're shown as being like ancient mm -hmm. and dusty um, and being like very foreign mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i don't think we see like any of that in in this movie where it's like actually it feels quite contemporary they have like good taste in music they're very cultured <laughs> um they're very fashionable they don't they don't wear like or orientalized like traditional dress of any kind well that that's and, one thing i noted was yeah. um the girl's outfit is like a traditional yes. like Middle Eastern women's garb, but like they use it as a vampire's cape instead, which I thought was an interesting turn on that aesthetic. Yeah, it's a, it's a neat like undercutting of that. Um, and it, it, like, because it, uh, again, these uh, interviews that I found with the director, like all she said about it was that she thought it looked cool. Yeah, like, that was it. Like it's just like yeah, I I have I've worn those before, and like I was reminded of feeling like a bat 
when I had them, and I thought that was cool, so I put it in the movie. Yeah, but that speaks to her experience, yeah. right, as someone of Iranian descent. Right. That's important. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I think, like, we tend to think of Iran as being, like, ancient, isolated, uh-huh. uh, backwards, and we, like, we only see the opposite here, mm-hmm. where it's, like, yeah, actually, they have the same issues of opioid, opioid abuse, yeah. and, and environmental destruction, and uh, income of, inequality. Yeah, like a hollowed out center, like a hollowed out like suburban center, and like yeah, it feels very American. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Although yeah. it's it's a little ironic because I, I read about I read the Wikipedia page for the movie and they said it's actually filmed in L.A. Yeah, it was. Shot it's in meant to. I mean, it's supposed to be in Iran. I'm pretty sure, but it was shot in L.A., which I thought was a little funny to find out after watching it. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw sense. that. Too. The curves look like L.A. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very like specific look. Yeah, uh, but no, I, that that same thing occurred to me as well. That um, mm. what what we're seeing here is day to day of uh, of Iran from a uh, an Iranian perspective, and that's valuable. Like that's yeah. like that alone. Uh, you just reminded they're just people trying to live their lives, really. right? Right, and and I I appreciated that about the film, and that yeah. you, that you can still you. I mean, you could take this story and you could tell it in in America. Like you could remake this, and and maybe someone's attempting to, and just like set it in suburban America somewhere, and it would function, but like narratively it would function. But I think that it would lose that specific context and that that specific context is is pretty important to what this movie is about mm-hmm. isn't that species <laughs> well, oh is it sure i mean yeah like, i think you could point to a, a, a lot of things that this is like like the women uh, like the monstrous woman who goes out and like victimizes men what i was reminded of was um under the skin like this feels a lot like under the skin yeah um have either of you seen that movie i, I have it, but i know what's the movie is uh challenging watch <laughs> um yeah. I, under the premise is that it's Scarlett Johansson is an alien who like assumes the form of a the, a human woman, and she like harvests men in Scotland. I think it's in Scotland, and like learns what humanity is over the course of that experience. Um, it's way darker and stranger than this movie. Uh, much more of a horror movie than this movie is mm-hmm. <laughs> actually. Um, but that that broad premise of this there's a woman roaming the streets and finding yeah. men and and it, it, killing them you get different flavors of it right like i mean right. you compared it to another movie that we did earlier let the right one in yes uh and that one is in sweden i think yep. it was and that one like kind of harnesses their like very winterly environment pretty well and that colors how that movie functions because mm-hmm. uh, they have to deal with like the harshness of the environment and like um you know being inside and hiding from the cold and things like that that were very central to that movie yeah although that, i mean that's an interesting point of comparison i think because like let the right one in is is not this tone or mood movie no. right like like this one is right like it it plays to more horror conventions um the you have like this a much more clearly villainous character in the the vampire in that movie right more violent and this one just feels like there's a coolness in, in, in this movie that is utterly lacking um, in Let the Right One In. And so it's cool that that, that Amanpour can take that, what, what is essentially a very similar concept, mm-hmm. and just take this and have such control of her tone and her mood yeah. that it feels like a, a, a totally different movie, mm-hmm. um, such that the comparison kind of breaks down um, once you examine it with any closeness. Yeah. 
There's some similarity in that they're talking about the relationship between a main character yes. and a female monster figure. Uh, and I did feel like the relationship, uh, I was better or more convinced by the relationship in Let the Right One In and mm -hmm. this one. Like they had, they shared some great scenes together, but I felt like it was maybe a little rushed almost. It felt strange that she would agree to run away with him after the few interactions that they had with very little discussion or anything like that. And I wasn't convinced by that turn. Right? Yeah, I think that it depends how much you're convinced of this movie as a noir. Mm -hmm. Right, because like one of the noir conventions is that like the 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 detective and the femme fatale like you know hook up pretty quickly, and that sure. like you just kind of take on faith that these people are because they're the only people in town or whatever are gonna sure. are gonna end up together. Um, whereas I think Let the Right One In is following more traditional dramatic track. Yeah, um, and to, and it works. Like I, yeah. I think that's a great movie, so it it, it works. Um, but yeah, this one is is doing something else. Uh, speaking of the relationship between Arash and the girl, the other scene I really liked, and this is when he gives her the earrings, and yeah. she pierces her own earrings, uh, her own ears on the spot. <laughs> that that was a, a good moment, but it's just another one of those moments in this movie that like just works, and like that's kind of it. Um, and I like that the movie is doing that. Yeah, yeah I agree. I I, w I do wish it had a little more to say. Yes, I, I think that's the biggest critique here. Um, and it sounds like the director didn't have more to say. Like she, she has like a good eye for I think scenes and look, and she'd be a good like fashion commercial shooter. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure Music video shooter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wish there was like a little more there because it has a strong premise. Yeah, and a strong look. Yeah, really strong look. Um, but what it adds up to, I. I don't, I don't know. And, yeah, yeah. and to be cagey about that is is fine, but it leads one to think that like there's not, maybe there isn't something there. Maybe there's nothing there. here because there's nothing here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so like, I hear that, and I think that's it's probably very like Sofia Coppola. You, yeah, yeah. Although like you yeah. watch Virgin Suicides, and there is a lot there. Mm -hmm. Like that movie has a lot to say, and I think yeah. it it. it I, Specifically lost in translation. That's probably what we mean there. No, I think our other like later <laughs> films too. Yeah, just like don't. Yeah. What's the one that she did in the South? The Oh, uh, I know what you're talking about. You're, you saw it. Right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I can't remember the fucking name of it. But it had the same problem where she like just missed like what this movie should have been, I think. And, yeah. Like that sucks. Um, in any event, uh, I think that, and again, I, I hesitate to put too fine a point on this, but when you're a woman of color making a first-time movie who has lived in Iran and Europe and America, I think it's easy for everything that is being done to be necessarily political, right? And of mm -hmm. course, everything we do is political, but there's like a, a politic projected onto that identity, mm -hmm. right? And that, that is almost necessarily projected onto that identity. So I kind of get the resistance coming from the director here. I kind of get... I would. I understand why she would say no. I'm not making a statement. I'm making a movie, mm -hmm. right? Where she would just want the text to be the t to to be the text, and that's it. Yep. To be able to say like, I, I want this to be about my my craft. I want this to be about my filmmaking skills, and and that be that. Which is of course in its own right political, because again everything <laughs> is political. But <laughs> I I. This is speculation on my part. I have no idea if this is how she arrived at her 
vision of this film and her her resistance to the politic that might be available to this film. But it maybe it is, um, and it would make sense to me if it were. And so I I, I kind of get that like that 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 aspect of it makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I could compare it with like more minimalist painting or abstract art sure. or things like that, right? Like they. I mean, obviously all art is political to some degree, but they might be less obviously political. Like a Jackson Pollock painting might be less obviously political than, say, you know, Guernica, mm -hmm. right? Yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, what, they, what they're meant to do is, well, they convey ideas. And, the, the, you know, this is a complicated discussion. I won't get too much into that. But what I find the most out of, what I get the most out of from a painting like that is a feeling of, like, emotion, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, it evokes an emotion, it feels like a memory, you know, things like that. And that's what I find very powerful about a painting like that. And that's the value you can have in a movie like this that isn't necessarily explicitly political. Because you talked about how great this movie is at executing mood. Now, not every painting is for everyone. And like I'll say yeah, again, this movie, this, this movie didn't quite yeah. evoke that, um, that kind of emotion out of me. But I can see how there would still be a lot of value in a movie that doesn't explicitly seek to tell a message yeah I, th I think that that's that's well said yeah i think that you're you're right on the money there um because yeah like you, you you do feel like that that sequence that i talked about with like when they're just in the room camera still they play that whatever that new wave song is can't remember the name of it um yeah yeah i, I felt something watching that i didn't yeah. i didn't know exactly what it was i didn't know why it happened in that precise moment i didn't know exactly how it fits into the rest of the movie but it was there like yeah. it, it it happened and that feeling happened um, and that's artistic, yeah. right? Like that's, it's a beautiful that's thing. cinematic, right? Like that's that, that, and it's good to have movies that can do that. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you're, you're correct. The movie ends on the death of his father, who's, mm -hmm. uh, shown to be a bad person. Uh, right. <laughs> where he, in, in Jack's, uh, what I guess we can assume is a sex worker and like, well, it's the like, same prostitute we've seen the whole movie. Yeah, because yeah, there's only five people. So. Yeah, yeah kind of like forcibly injects yeah. her. Um, and when they, they come to um, the vampires there and she kills them. Kills them. <laughs> the, their yeah. father. Um, and then we see our our main character like finds, finds the vampire and they like are running away together and the cat is at her apartment, the cat mm -hmm. that he rescued earlier in the film. Um, th the obvious implication being that, like, he now knows that, like, she killed his father. Right. Um, that was interesting. I don't, I'm, I'm not totally sure what to do with that, but I think it's interesting that, like, he he knows that, like, she killed his father and that she's dangerous, mm -hmm. but he's, like, into it. Yes. And, like, kind of cool with it. Yeah. And, again, uh, I, it, I'm i not sure what to do with that either, other than, than yeah. to say, like, he kind of breaks bad there. Um, yeah. Well, I, he, he had a complex relationship with his father, right? Because, yeah. obviously, like, he's your father, he's your family, so you might still have some love there. Uh -huh. But he seemed to resent his father a lot for his yeah. father's addiction and having to take care of him and all that, mm -hmm. right? So that's, like, a very complex thing because you might wish for him to be gone, yeah, well, he, but you also he, don't want him to literally be dead, perhaps. Right. And so he has to grapple with that, but he decides to move on with his life. Yeah, well, and he clearly does feel anguish for it. We have that scene that's set up so well earlier in the movie where he's interrogating 
that young boy who did see the vampire, the girl with the um, the father's body, but that's the same boy that she like intimidated yeah. <laughs> earlier in the film, and like that setup and payoff was nice. But during that sequence, when he's asking the boy what he did see, it, like he's distraught, right? Yeah. Like he is clearly very upset. So yeah. something shifted, right? Like something did did change from the space of a scene or two. Yeah, um, and yeah. I, I, I don't know exactly what to do with it either. Um, it does play into a lot of the tropes that this um, that this movie's leaning on, you know, like Western tropes about like you know getting out of this town, American and kind of you know '60s tropes, like '60s youth tropes about you know hitting the road and seeing what you can find and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I think that it evoked that feeling really well, especially if they're, you know, they're in their 57 Thunderbird and he looks like James <laughs> Dean and, you know, all that stuff. He's driving off at the end of Baby Driver. Right, yeah, exactly. And it, and it so it's it has that feeling as well, but it's it, it's a very cinephiles movie in that moment because you can yeah. kind of say like, oh, this feels like this movie and this movie and this movie. And maybe that's enough. Like maybe it's fine that that's what it is. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. just it. Like this, it's such a... It's a tough movie to like get a handle on. Now that I think about it, it had a bit of a graduate feel because it yeah. has this that head-on shot of the two of them with the cat in the middle, mm-hmm. and they both seem kind of uncertain about the future. Yeah, well, and except, what they've done. Except there's a cat in the middle, and there are several moments where the cat is staring directly into the camera. Yeah, that are very unsettling. <laughs> this this cat is seeing I didn't something. That, actually, oh yeah, uh, it's like. For several seconds in a row, you have the cat looking dead at the camera. They did credit the cat by name, which I thought was really cute. I like when they do that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it means it was this, that, that cat was that was a big cat. Yeah, there's a couple shots of like that cat was very well fed <laughs> <laughs> at, at some point. Uh, so yes, I'm glad it's it's doing well. That's funny that it's shot in LA. Like, it yeah. makes a lot more sense now as a movie. Yes, to me. Um, yeah, and there's a large like Persian expat population mm. in LA too. Yeah. That, so I bet they had like tons of Iranian Persian actors. So. Yeah, well, you don't need that many. Yeah. <laughs> There's like yeah. 10 people in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's not too big a gas. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, I guess that was part of it. I really liked the lead. I don't know if he's been in anything else, but he was really good here. I liked him a lot. Yeah, I looked him up. I don't know if I recognize anything else. Okay. Uh, the girl was in Argo. Yes, that's right. Before this. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's what got her this. Um, and apparently the skateboarding scenes, a lot of those uh, were actually the director. She's huh. been, she was a skateboarder for a lot of her life, and that's very similar look and build, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is part of the reason they cast this girl. Yeah, um, and so she did a lot of the skateboarding, which is also a cool look, just like the girl in her vampire outfit, like those long shots for skateboarding along at night was mm-hmm. cool. Um, any uh, any closing thoughts on a girl walks home alone at night? Yeah, I mean, same thoughts I had before. Some scenes that I really took away from it and a great look, um, but I did feel bored by a lot of it, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. And what do you think, Crossman? I think it's cool. Yeah, I think it's cool. I too. liked it. I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad. It's short. Yeah, yeah, it's a 140, I think, something like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you can. it's not too much of a commitment. Um, yeah, I, I, I shouldn't have waited on it as long as I did. I'd heard about it when it came out in 2014, and it's like yeah, it's one of those ones I never got to. Yeah, I remember people talking mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's good. Okay, cool. I agree. Um, in any case, we'll be back in a moment with things we've seen. We'll see you then. And we're back with things we've seen. This is a segment where we talk about other things we've seen outside of the context of this podcast. Sometimes, you know, more recent movies that have come out. 
Uh, I have not had the chance to see anything, uh, but we'll go to Crossman. What have you seen lately? Yeah, I started watching this HBO show called The Righteous Gemstones. Well, I saw the first one. I liked it. Yes. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a dark comedy uh, created by Danny McBride, who directs the first episode and has written the series, as far as I understand it. Um, he uh, he plays the eldest son of a character by played by John Goodman. His siblings are played by Avon Devine from Workaholics and uh, Edie Patterson, um, who, all of whom are very funny. Um, they are essentially a, a fictionalized version of the Falwell family, yep. where they're they're televangelists and uh, they run a like CD televangelist empire yeah it's like a mega church with yeah the, yeah the, yeah um and it's pretty dark and very funny um i think uh, we talked about the social network um where like all the characters are bad essentially mm -hmm. i think what Regis jensen's show does is is a version of that but it does it very well where it's like all the characters that we see on screen are villains, mm -hmm. but they're all unique and have their own interesting quirks. And mm -hmm. there are moments when, you know, some of the characters do good things and then they're, you know, they're clearly like very evil characters mm -hmm. within the show. Um, yeah, I like it a lot. I think it's very funny. Yeah, I, um, I, I got a kick out of it too. I got, yeah. I, I only saw the pilot. I should watch the rest of it because it's up to episode like three or four by now, right? Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, Danny McBride is still just, I'm so glad he's still getting work. Like he, it's, he's doing his thing. Like it's, it's not any different than what we saw in he's bound and down really. Um, but his thing is funny. Like his thing, like uh, this, like really spastic, but like highly verbal form of humor that he has found, um, works well and it's kind of unique to him. Yeah. I think he's good at doing like kind of very American villains. Sure. Like I think, I think the people that he portrays are people that like Americans look up to and think that are good, but are actually like quite villainous. That's really well observed. Yeah, I uh, think you're right. In yeah. in real life. And what's funny is that he I'm I'm sure he's like a sweet guy, but all of his characters are assholes. And it's hard to separate the characters from him because they have such a similarity. Yeah, the style and, of them and thread. Is yeah. Um so it's funny to like see him and like not think of him as like being these characters because he embodies them so well. Yeah, he always seems to play a very similar kind of character, right? Because I've only yes. seen him in like a few comedy films, but yeah. he's always that kind of like it's you know, brusque asshole, someone yeah. who's incredibly arrogant, yeah, and inept, inept, and never wrong, and like has never like questioned themselves morally yeah. ever, um, and has fallen into success and, and wealth. Yeah. Which is Un undeserved. Which is a, an incredible illustration of American like villainy. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's uh, just a description of America. Yeah. Really. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think you're you're absolutely correct. But I, I think he's like really found. Like I, I think this is, I, I think this is like his like greatest act here because I, I think that like the televangelist is like the perfect. American it's so unique. story. It's I mean because yeah. he like he played the he's bound and down, he was the the star pitcher and everything like that. And like yeah. famous athletes that extends to the world over. Yeah. But the televangelist is very specific. Mm -hmm. to, not only right that, there. but he's the second generation, right? <laughs> yeah, like, right. He's, he's, he didn't even build it. He's inherited his wealth and success. 
Yeah. And the his real religiousness okays everything that he does. Yeah. Yeah. So specifically and, American. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um you had mentioned yeah. or last week you had mentioned Workaholics and I said that I didn't really care for that show, which yeah. I stand by. Um but part of the reason I didn't care for it is that like the performances didn't really land for me. I found the folks on that kind of grating. Mm. Um I like Adam Devine here. He's very good. And like this is the first time I think where I he's. I feel like every time I see clips of him, he's kind of annoying. The, the, yeah, and this is the first time where he's really worked for me. Okay. I, I like him in this show. Yeah, um, he's like the dopey younger brother. Right, but he, yeah. he also seems like the one. Again, I've only seen the pilot. He seems like the one that has the most moral center to yeah. him. Yes. Um, which I think a show like this needs. Yep. Um, and he does that well. Like he 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 portrays the conflict in that well, and it's still like dumb. And he's still dumb, but like it, 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 there's a sincerity to it that I think contrasts well with the like brash selfishness of the Danny McBride character, yeah, or, or like the like entrenched arrogance of John Goodman. Yeah, the John Goodman character, very like dark, foreboding patriarch of this family, of he is good, <laughs> and and uh, Goodman is he's great in everything, mm -hmm. in, in here especially. And I think it plays well to his age, where there's a, um, definitely like the physicality of his performance is like inherent to like him as he's well. Huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, he's very tall and uh, broad. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's great. Um, and then the, the sister character I like a lot too, where she's just like kind of like a, a victim, but also not really. uh, also another one of these villains. And, right. Well, and, and she's yeah. the smartest of the bunch, I yes. think. And that that is so clear. Like, like she's probably the most well suited to adopt this business, but can't because it's a misogynistic business. But she's still terrible. Like, yeah, that that works well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm interested to see where this goes, but it's good. It's very funny. It's very dark. Um, and yeah, yeah. I think Danny McBride is is an incredible storyteller. And, I agree. And comedic uh, talent. Talent is yeah. is just off the charts here. Yeah, like I, really, I, really off the charts. I agree. Yeah, I need to catch up on it. I only saw the first one, but I'm gonna watch the rest of it because I did like it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Would you see Wilson? Um, I saw Hustlers. Um, so this was kind of. I've been a, hearing a lot about that. Yeah, kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. I, I, like I saw some posters. I didn't even see a trailer for it, but I saw some posters. Um, but then it played at TIFF a few weeks ago, and everybody loved it. Like mm. it was just universal acclaim. So I said, "Okay, I'm gonna go watch Hustlers." And yeah, it's great. <laughs> everybody was right. Hustlers is great. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the premise: it stars Constance, Constance Wu um, as a uh, stripper. Um, this is apparently based, or at least inspired, by a true story. Um, she's a stripper in New York. Um, it's her. She's like the up and coming, it, it, like the, the young blood at this strip club. She eventually gets taken in and mentored by the Jennifer Lopez character, who is apparently stable there. Um, they eventually determine that they aren't making enough money stripping um, and d decide that they're going to drug and steal from men. Like they're going to meet them outside. The, the scheme is meet with them outside of the club. Uh, Drug their drink, they become you know unable to realize where they are. They rack up credit card bills on this guy on their various credit cards, and then just leave them at the club, basically. And that's that's the premise of the film. Um, so it's a pretty straightforward scheme. It plays a lot like Goodfellas. It's hmm. it's basically Goodfellas. You just re replace the gangsters with strippers, 
and that's the movie. Okay. So so much so that like the moment when like things are going down, there's like a Bob Seger needle drop, like <laughs> which is exactly what happens in Goodfellas. Like it's very consciously. I mean, that's a good reference. It's yeah, no, it's a it's a great place to be. Um, people have been saying that it might be the the best performance of Jennifer Lopez's career, and well, that well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that very well. Maybe it's like that or the Wedding Planner. Or... <laughs> no, um, it's that or Out of Sight. I think is the other one. Out of Sight. Okay. Yeah, um, but she, yeah, she's boy next door. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, she's great here. She really is. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, she has more to do, like because Constance was the like the prospective character, and like mm-hmm. she has more time on screen. But like Jennifer Lopez is the larger than life ringleader type of character that it plays like the Joe Pesci kind of equivalent, kind of. Um, if we're maintaining our Goodfellas comparison, uh, the relationship between her and the the Wu character is really moving and and quite profound in a way that that Goodfellas isn't. Um, and I think where this departs from the Scorsese influence is that it's more ambiguous about its judgment of the characters. Um, so I think one of the things that Scorsese does frequently in his, especially in his gangster movies, is that he's very harshly coming down on his subjects. That it's that he's he is a judgmental director, and correctly so. Like these are very, typically very nefarious people that he's um, that he's dealing with here. This movie is is pointedly not doing that. It it mm-hmm. it, it, it raises the question that. Yeah, they're you know roofing people and stealing from them, but it also points out that these guys are a lot of them are kind of shitty. Um, they're all really rich and basically <laughs> can afford to you know run up a credit card debt at at the the strip club, um, and that these girls to a certain extent really need the money. That they they are a lot of them have medical bills, families to support, you know, debt of some variety or another, um, and that you know that that matters and. The movie isn't crystal clear on where it wants the audience to fall on that one. Mm-hmm. It kind of leaves that question open, and I think it functions in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly, it's just a blast. Like this movie is a lot of fun to watch. It mm-hmm. moves like this. It's just a very, very quickly paced. Um, it's funny. It's often, often very funny. Uh, worth the price of admission for for Jennifer Lopez alone, I think. Um, so yeah, it lives up to the hype. Hustlers was was very, very good. It's got uh, a good cast too. It has a great cast. Yeah. Even uh, Cardi B and Lizzo show up, right? They're I mean <laughs> they're like quasi cameos, but um, and Usher, and Usher, yes, yeah, um, who is just a, like I thought Usher was going to play somebody because I looked at this too. No, it's just like at the beginning of the movie, they're like he's Usher's Usher. here, and yeah. like there's Usher, and he's just at the strip club, and like that's, what that's just like J Lo calling in favors. <laughs> it's exactly yeah, what yeah. it is. Said, um, yeah, sure. But it looks like there's a lot of minor roles for like kind of like you know mid level comedians here, like. Dov Davidoff is like a known mm-hmm. comedian, and um, John Glazer, who's hilarious yep. and yep. has many TV shows that he's headlined on his own. So. Yeah, and he's like he's barely in it, but he's in it, and yeah. it's funny, and it 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 works. So yeah, this I don't know what it was, but if Jennifer Lopez did call in a bunch of favors, but it works. Um, Cardi B should be in more things. Again, she has like three or four scenes here, but she is predictably hilarious in all those scenes. Um, so yeah, good. Weren't nope. there allegations that she actually roofied and stole from people? She admitted to it. She, yeah, she's admitted. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are not allegations. Yeah. That's, a, that's a fitting cast. Those are things that actually happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like it's it, it's real, um, and it, like it doesn't take much googling to like determine what story it is they're talking about, and like 
the club that apparently the, the club that this happened to have is still up and running in the city. Um, so d- didn't even change their name. Um, so like that is a thing. Good for them. Yeah, good, exactly. Good for them. Um, so easy to recommend. Yeah, go. It's it's a blast. Go watch Hustlers. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, all right, Charles, it's your pick for our week two of Horror October. What do you got for us? Okay, for Horror October, I'd like to pick Event Horizon. Oh, all right. Hell yeah. Okay, I've, I, I haven't seen it either, so that'll, that'll be a new one for me as well. It's been a few years since I've seen it. But okay. I'm ex- it's kind of, it's ex- supposed to be kind of like, to rewatch It's kind of supposed to be kind of intense, right? Like, this is it's a very one. intense watch. All right, great. All right, um, let's go. Let's I don't know how well it holds up because it's been a few years since I've seen it. I guess we'll find out. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, if you're liking the show, please share it with people. We are on uh, Facebook and iTunes and Google Play and SoundCloud. Um, And we are also back here next week for Event Horizon. See you then.